Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. That was a perfect musical interlude. Just a perfect time to come up here. Something I'm also thinking about, those that are needing help to be on the, we are needing help on the safety team uh, at the same time, but maybe you don't understand the safety team as people who help to provide security for the building, keeping an eye on the people coming in and out just to make sure everybody's safe and secure. Another way that we can serve and we could certainly use some help is to have some depth on the bench in audio and video, uh, point and click, moving through choruses and pastor sermon and as well as uh, working the soundboard. And you know what? We'll train you. We'll even bribe you with donuts and professional training. And so we have some places for people to serve and to engage in ministry. And it's every bit of ministry as they're serving the needs of the body of Christ and the people who are coming here to connect with us. Amen? Amen. Well, last week I preached to you on the people of the... Well, you all lost it already. The people of the great memory. No. (laughs) The people of the purpose. The purpose. What is my purpose? And now, uh, staying with that idea, we're going to speak to you this morning on the people of the presence. The people of the presence. This is part of the purpose of God, is that we would be the people of the presence. You know, people respond to the idea of presence. People swooned for the Beatles and for Elvis Presley. Not even my wife will swoon for me. But there's people that will pass smooth out to touch the hand of a movie star or starlet. Oh, they won't wash their hand again because that person touched their hand. And there is something about that excitement about a person's presence. We have certain people in our life that we enjoy being in their presence, don't we? You know There's people, you don't have to shout out their name right here. You don't have to point across the room. There's somebody that you enjoy being in their presence. There were certain relatives I enjoyed being around. And others, well, I'd rather have my druthers, I wouldn't go. But I was a captive audience. I was strapped in the back of a car and taken there whether I wanted to or not. There's people that have a sense of their presence. And we understand that. But we want to be the people of the presence. You know where I'm heading, I know already. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. God is having a conversation. The angel of the Lord is speaking with Moses. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. What a promise. What an assurance. My presence will go with you. There are those of us that are seated in here this morning. I want to challenge you in some of your thinking on this area because you're sitting in here saying, you know, it's good to worship the Lord together, praise the Lord together, sing victory in Jesus, feel close to people, and being in each other's presence, already there is encouragement being poured into our spirit, and we're just being in one another's presence. Because we're here in a divine conspiracy 
to exalt and lift up the name of Jesus. And we have this assurance that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There I am in the middle of them. When we leave this place, there's always a sense of, man, this was special. This was wonderful. This was great. But now I need to go out there. Now I need to go get in my car and go through traffic and and wrestle with the Baptist at the cafeteria and then try to get the kids to behave so I can get a nap and then engage with my work-a-day week or my school or my career or wherever. And, And we get out in there and it's like, oh, Lord, that this presence that I feel here would go with me out there. And I want to challenge you. If you have a religious mind, you think you leave the presence of God here. That this is where he lives, where he dwells. But the fact is, he said, I will go with you. This is his heart. That we would not only be people of the presence, but we would realize that his presence is portable. His presence exalts itself in and upon us. What a high calling. What a wonderful purpose, as we talked about it last week. And we talk about the presence. My presence will go with you, and here's what will happen. I will give you rest. You ever wonder why people are at such unrest in the world today? Because they lack the presence of God. Boy, the powerful baptism of the presence of God in Ukraine, I believe could calm that down over there. How many of you believe that the presence of God in St. Petersburg and Moscow and a couple other key cities could calm some things down? How many of you believe that the presence of God in Detroit New York City, Los Angeles, and in San Francisco could absolutely transform and change things. Do you believe that the presence of God in in Fort Worth and across Texas would absolutely change the complexion of the Lone Star State? Do you believe that the presence of God in Lake Worth and at Vision Church and upon you would absolutely change, transform, and make the difference? Moses understood that. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. We don't want to take one more step. We don't want to go one more yard. We don't want to make another move. We don't want to move a muscle. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish me? Hear the cry of Moses' heart. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? There's supposed to be a difference, isn't there? Let me tell you what the difference is. Everybody say it together. The presence. The presence. People want to be unique. You want to be unique. You want to be distinguished. You want to stand out from the crowd. You want there to be something noticeable about you that's positive amen or how many of you just prefer a negative noticeability right Ooh, you want people to respond this way no we want our presence to impact people we want people who have been around us to be touched in a positive way to be encouraged to be drawn closer to Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, to be drawn towards our fellowship that we find in our local church. Amen? We want them to experience what it is that we experience. We want them to know what it is that we know, but we want to be distinguished. 
People want to be unique and stand out, but at the same time, be a part of identity group. People are social, so they want to become a part of the identity group. I'm going to show you what I mean. How about these three characters? Distinguished? Oh, absolutely. Stand out in a crowd? Except unless they're in a crowd of people just like them. And that's what inevitably happens. Birds of a feather flock together. And even if they're birds of a really high comb right down the middle of their head and different colors and piercings and and gothic or whatever it may be, they want to be unique and stand out, but they inevitably find themselves in a group. Or how about these conservative souls? When you see them, especially when we go through certain towns of Texas, maybe around Granbury and other places, if you time your arrival just right, you'll see a group of them. Sometimes getting out of a drawn horse and carriage and going about their shopping. And you look immediately at them and you watch. Everybody else responds. Why? Because they stand out. They are distinguished, except when they go back to their community. And they all look like that. And they have no idea why anyone would be stopping and staring at them. So I just want to ensure you that the Lord wants his people to be unique. The presence is what marks them. Something that the Lord challenged me to early as I began my pastoral ministry. And I had seen, frankly, some disasters. Not at my hands, but at other ministers' hands. And when I saw that and I began praying and seeking the Lord, I'll tell you what my prayer was. Oh, Lord, help me not to ever do that. I never want to make a mess like that. Lord, I never want to do that to your people. And something he spoke to me as I was desiring to be the very best under shepherd I could possibly be under the great shepherd. He knows how to do this. I don't. And he was pulling me along. And through our times of prayer together, he began to speak to my heart. And something he just spoke to me very simply was, he said, don't you mark my sheep with your mark. I thought, whoa. What often happens amongst humanity is we want to leave our mark. We want to make our mark and we want our people to stand out. And I'll tell you what the cheap way to do it is, is to do something with how they dress and to put markings upon them in that way rather than this. To strive to see the indelible markings of the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. Touch them from the inside out. And let them stand out, not as my people, but his people. That's my ambition. I'll tell you that unashamedly. My heart and my ambition as a pastor is for you to be so deeply marked by the presence of God, the personality of God, the character of God, to look so much like Jesus that no one will look at you and say, oh, I know who your pastor is. They'll simply look at you and say, you stand out. You're different because you carry the mark of the high prize of the calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You carry the Holy Spirit upon your life. You carry and convey the character of Christ. And my ambition for you, Paul's ambition for you, Jesus' ambition for you, God's ambition for you and for me, is that His presence is what marks us. 
Can you say amen to that? Amen. Oh, Lord, that your presence would mark us. So let's go way back to the beginning. It all starts in the book of Genesis, doesn't it? In fact, its very words means the beginning. And the very first words of that book says, in the beginning, God. We see in a couple chapters later that already paradise has fallen completely apart. And Cain, who was the eldest son and would have been the one coached and developed to help lead his family and others into the knowledge of God by Adam, finds himself a rebel and thinks that his problem is his brother. And what does he do? He decides that because he's been publicly embarrassed or ashamed because he has not brought a sacrifice that God has asked for, but has concocted one on his own, it has become apparent that God has not accepted his offering, has not accepted his worship, has not accepted what he had to bring. And I don't know about you, but that would feel like rejection. And what do we want to do when we feel rejection? We want to reject the rejecter. That's what we want to do. Let's be honest. Cain saw his problem that kept him from God as being his brother who was walking right with the Lord and took him out. You know the story. Cain killed Abel. Cain's idolatry and murderous cover-up drove him from the presence. Cain had known the presence of God. Cain himself, though they had been moved outside of the garden, still had opportunity to worship God and experience his presence. And I'm here to tell you there is something marvelous, wonderful, awesome, spectacular, comforting, and deeply transforming about the presence of God. Amen? His idolatry and his murderous murderous cover-up drove him from the presence of God. And he says, please don't send me away from your presence. Even Cain had the sense to know the difference between being with God and being separated from God. Adam and Eve knew the presence. Cain knew the presence. God tried to keep Cain in the presence. Cain was not marked by the presence. He was marked by a mark that would let everyone else to not take his life. Everyone else would understand what that was. What that was? I don't know exactly what that was. How many of you will be in the line in heaven that says above the door, all questions answered, especially whether Adam and Eve have a belly button, where Cain got his wife, and what mark was set on Cain? There was a mark made upon Cain by God, but it was not the mark of his presence. It was another mark. Some people desire the presence and it changes them. Some people desire the presence. You know, there's people around the globe right now have been unevangelized. There's something down in their spirit that says there's got to be something more. There's got to be something out there. There's There's got to be an explanation that's better than the one I've gotten. There's supposed to be some purpose in life. There's, there's, a, there's a nowhere down inside of them, and some have called it a God-shaped vacuum. They know that there's something missing. 
Let me tell you, if you have a sense of something's missing in my life, the answer is the presence. The answer is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The, the answer is found in the person, the character, the nearness of God, and our openness to appropriating all that He has for us in our life. I love to hear the stories of those people who have come out of the jungles, speaking a different language, not literate, and one day encounter someone who is preaching the gospel in their language. And they hear this story about this one who has come has come and taken all of their sin and all of their guilt upon him. He is the Savior of the world. And when they hear that story, within five or ten minutes, they go, that is the answer. That's what I've been looking for. Across this globe, there are people who are desiring the presence. Sometimes that presses them to rebellion. Sometimes that impulse has them doing some desperate things. But right down deep inside... They desire the presence, and here's what happens. That desire for the presence, and then encountering that presence, brings a transformation. Let me tell you about some people who craved and desired the presence. Moses. We just read about that, didn't we? Moses would not go, except his presence go with him. He did not want because of the rebellion of the people of Israel, something was going on in this conversation with God and Moses, and that was that the rebellion, the hard-heartedness, the stiff-neckedness, the, the desire of the people of Egypt to go back to Egypt, the people of Israel, to go back to Egypt, back to idolatry, back to the life they had known. They were craving and desiring to go back. Their heart was not to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, but to the God of their own making near the temples that they had formerly lived. And they desired to go back. And God says, okay, I've had enough. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just take an angel of a lower class and I'm going to have him lead you out. And you'll become a great nation, but you won't reach the destiny I've called you to. Moses hears this and he says, oh, Don't send us up with anything less than you. Don't send us into a land to be a people unless we can go and be the people of God. Don't move any further from this spot unless it can be in your presence. Aren't you glad for the intercession of Moses? These people didn't even have the sense sense to be glad. And as a result, the Lord responded with mercy and loving kindness and He continued to carry these rebellious and difficult people and continued to pour out His love and His loving kindness upon them. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Thank you, Lord. Moses would not go unless he could go in the presence. Joshua would not go forward and lead the people as he took on the reins of leadership from Moses. He had to be assured by the presence and he had to hear these words, be of good courage. Be strong, be very strong in the Lord. And he would go then in the assurance of the presence of God. He had watched Moses and the difference the presence made. And he says, I've got to have that same presence. David craved the presence of God. Read those Psalms when he pours out his heart. And he says things like, you know what? 
the sparrow gets to fly into the temple and nest anywhere she wants to, but the king can only come in on special days and can only go so far. I wish that I were that sparrow because then I would build a nest and I would live in the house of God. Wow. He craved the presence of God. He desired the presence of God. He watched what the presence of God had done in Saul's life. And then he saw the difference when the presence of God lifted off of Saul's life and an evil spirit was sent from the Lord. And he saw that and he said, I've got to have the presence of God. What a delight that had to have been to David to sense and feel and actually experience that coming on of him, upon him, of the presence of God, to feel the weight of the significance of the presence of God upon his life. And he continued through his life to worship and praise and to nourish that. And when he sinned, messed up and felt distant from the presence of God, we read the 51st Psalm when he says, Create a clean spirit within me and take not your Holy Spirit from me. He was horrified. He had watched and seen what had happened to Saul, the first king of Israel. He saw the depravity to which he had sunk and the horrible death he died. And David says, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to pour out my soul. I'm going to weep. I'm going to tear my clothes. I'm going to put sackcloth and ashes on. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to seek God until this stain of sin is dealt with and conquered by his love. And aren't you glad that he goes on and writes more songs of praise and worship and he finishes out with the presence of God upon his life. An imperfect man, yes, but a clothed man that is covered with the grace of God and his presence, absolutely. And isn't it, it so, should be so apparent that it was so complete and so thorough, this covering the presence of God. We do not remember David as the great adulterer of Israel. We remember him as the sweet psalmist and a man after God's own heart. That's what the presence will do to a man's life. He'll wash away that sin. He will cause us to forget what that man has done wrong and only remember the greatness of God on his behalf. And his latter years can be greater than his former years. And David himself would declare, I am, I've been young and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Elijah was refreshed by the presence of God. He went out on a mountain. There was a, a earthquake. There was fire. There was strong wind. But God was not in any of them. But there was a still small voice that spoke to him. He wrapped himself in his cloak. He came out from that, that hole in the rock near the Mount Sinai as he went back to revisit the grounds of the beginnings of his ministry. And after he had fled in fear, he found God recommissioning him to anoint a king and anoint a prophet and to encourage him. And he went out and he heard the still, small voice of God. What did Elijah recognize? Forget the, the shaking of the mountain. Forget the fire. Forget the wind. That's almighty and powerful. But here is the presence. And Elijah was refreshed by the presence. We can move to the New Testament. And how many of you know I've just been naming some men, but how many of you are ready to hear some ladies? Huh? The ladies are saying, yeah! Yes! How about Mary? Mary rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. 
He said, she said, you sent the rich away empty handed, but you have given the poor your handmaiden. You have filled us up with good things and I will praise your name. And we can hear that magnificat of Mary as she praises the name of the Lord because she's gotten a revelation. And what is Mary experiencing? She's, he's, here's what the angel said. And the glory of the most high will come upon you. And that which is conceived in you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you'll bring forth, and you're gonna, and he tells Joseph later, you're gonna name him Yeshua. He's going to save his people from their sins. How many of you know that she got some Holy Spirit doodads about then? There had to be a moment in Mary's life when she became aware of the mantling of the Holy Spirit. She became aware of the heaviness of the glory of God. She became aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon her. And she says, wow, he has taken this handmaid and he has exalted her. She realized that the very same presence that had been upon other was now upon her because she had a calling and a task and she was going to need this presence. Mary rejoiced in it. But if that wasn't enough, she goes to the home of Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant. And when her voice is heard on the inside, the baby leaps in her womb, and Elizabeth says, I believe I feel some presence. I believe I'm experiencing the presence of God so strong that this one who is anointed by the Holy Spirit and has been called by God into ministry from my womb is leaping within me. Elizabeth rejoiced and honored Mary. And then John the Baptist, he just couldn't help himself at six months of age, utero. He's not even born yet, and he has the sense when he senses the presence to rejoice. He senses it. He feels it. He responds to it. If even a six-month baby in the womb can respond, how many of you know we need to respond to the presence of God? Nicodemus sought it. One of the, the teachers of Israel, one of the premier teachers of Israel, came to Jesus at night. It was a time of questioning. And he opens his heart and he says, there are some of us who believe that you have been sent by God and you're a teacher sent from God and you're doing mighty things because God is with you. And Jesus loves him too much to leave him there. And he says, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. And what did John the Baptist, what did Nicodemus do? He began to draw nearer. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Something was going on in his spirit. And I still love that. I said, season one, season two, episode seven, somebody help me. In the chosen, when Nicodemus is so beautifully portrayed as longing and desiring and finally coming to those moments of revelation, don't you know that Nicodemus experienced something about the presence of God? Can you imagine sitting with Jesus who is covered without measure with the presence of God, who is in the middle of the presence of God and not getting something to happen in your life, something that speaks to your spirit, something that falls upon you, a heaviness of God, the glory of God that says, wow, this is what I've been looking for all my life. This is what I've been craving. This is what I've been desiring. Nicodemus sought the presence. How many of you know he found it? He found it. 
Things changed for Nicodemus with courage. He would go and ask for the body of Jesus. He would assist Joseph of Arimathea with the preparation of the body, laying it in a borrowed tomb. I wonder if they knew down in their heart, we only need this for three days. Didn't he say that just as Jonah was three days in the belly of that great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the midst of the earth? Something was happening, and I believe Nicodemus felt it. He encountered it. He experienced it. They had observed not only the miraculous that came from the presence of God, but he had to have felt something. Is it okay to feel something? Yes, some of us still not sure. Well, you know, Pastor, we can't go by emotions. Well, you can't build your complete faith upon it. But how many of you know God made us with emotion? God made us with the ability to experience people's presence and experience each other, and more importantly, to experience Him. Here was Nicodemus who became a man of the presence. He joined a whole host of people who craved the presence and found the presence of God. And how about this? In John 4, we were in John 3 just a minute ago with Nicodemus, but how about in John 4 when there is a Samaritan woman? She doesn't hardly count. They are a half-breed group of people that live near the town of Shechem or Sychar. This was the ancient city where Jacob had originally returned to the land. It was significant, but somehow it had been disrupted by these transplanted people. They didn't even worship God right. But how many of you know Jesus recognizes thirst and he recognizes hunger? And he's appointed by the Holy Spirit to go and sit at that well and when everyone else has done their deal for the day, the disgraced woman comes out, and it's her turn in the heat of the day to get her water. And Jesus said, if you knew who it was you were talking to, you would ask of me, and I would give you water, and you would never thirst again. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the water of His presence. He's talking about living, vibrant life that flows out from His presence. And that woman who came and had an argument with a Hebrew rabbi ended up running back home and said, you all need to come out and hear this man who knows everything about me and something's changing. Something's happening. I've encountered something I've been looking for all my life. I thought I could look for it in relationships, in men, in situations in life, but I have encountered something. I'll tell you what she encountered that day. She encountered the presence. It changed her forever. How many of you can hardly wait to meet her in heaven? There's going to be another conversation, isn't it? Some of you are wondering, what are we going to do? Sit around with harps and sing all the time? No, I'm going to conduct about 1,100 interviews. I'm going to sit down on some park benches, and I'm going to process through every name in the Old Testament and every name in the New Testament that's named, and then I'm going to start looking out for etc. I'm going to start looking out for the people of the first century and the second century and the third century. Don't you know we're going to have us a time? and encouraging one another and talking about the presence and enjoying his presence, do you think that we're going to somehow have another agenda? No. 
We're going to get to know him better. We're going to get to press into his presence deeper and know what it is to have the fullness of the magnificence of the presence of God upon us. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Finally, this. Only three points on a time change Sunday. Have you, you seen that? Just mercy. Mercy is flowing from my heart today. Jesus made a way for all to abide in the presence. It, it can sometimes look like these people must be born special. They must have been handpicked. There must have been something unique about their birth or something unique about them that he would pull them into his presence, reveal his presence, allow them to be mantled by his presence. And I don't blame you when you look through the Old Testament because they were few and far between the people who were looking for him. But how many of you know he's announced his intention? And that is for whosoever will may come. Whoever will have me can have me. Whoever would love to drink from the river of life, it's available fresh and free for them. Those that would like to have their sins covered forever, I'm here to cover the sin. I'm here to release the guilt. I'm here to transform and change. And the secret is found in His presence. He's made a way. Because He came from the presence. He was filled with the presence. He was anointed with the presence but it doesn't stop there some of us want to put jesus in a special category well you know jesus could do that because he was the incarnate son of god well you know jesus could do that because he had a special dispensation of grace within a special dispensation of time in which god was willing to do these kind of majestic and powerful things but that's not what the new testament teaches That's not what it preaches. He says, I'm going back to my father and your father. He said, the same spirit he's given me, I'm giving you. The same ministry he called me to, I'm calling you to. The son of man was made manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And he did it by that powerful darkness separating and assaulting presence of God. He was filled with the presence. He was anointed with the presence. And he has given us the presence. Don't you love that? Talk about a great gift. It just doesn't get any higher than that, any greater than that, any better than that. What has qualified us? The blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. The name of Jesus in which we stand. The authority of Jesus in which we stand. And we can have an expectation. We can hunger and thirst for all that he has. And we can look and seek and desire to have the fullness of His presence upon our individual life. Isn't that awesome? Give the Lord a hand clap. But wait, there's more. That we as a body, when we gather together, there's something that people can feel here. There's something that people can experience here. More than a theological precept. More than hearing truth, which they need to hear. But experiencing love and having a sense of this is what the presence of God must feel like. We're not perfect. Have you noticed? Look around. We're not complete yet. Look around. 
We're not finished. We're not glorified. We don't know everything and not have received everything. But what do we have in the meantime? We have a calling together to image and reflect the presence of God. And when we get up from these chairs and we go from this building and we get in our car and we go about our daily lives, what do we have an expectation of? That His presence does not abide in this building where we come and go, but His presence comes and goes from this building as we come and go from this building. And His presence comes and goes from Walmart as we come and go from Walmart and the Dollar Tree and the Salvation Army store. Wherever it is, wherever we're pointing and clicking, wherever it is that we're living and moving and having our being in the auto parts store and our job, where our hands are touching, where our eyes are looking, where our presence is moving, then we have this expectation that His presence shall go with us. Moses captured it so perfectly. Lord, don't send us up except your presence goes with us. And here's the assurance. I will go with you. Every step you take, everywhere you go, every place that you are, he's made this promise to you. If you'll abide in me, my word abides in you. What's going to happen? You're going to be in his presence. You're going to speak his word. You're going to speak on his behalf. And he will give us this presence every day of our lives. Isn't that exciting? That's awesome. And he will then take us into the presence. I'm looking forward to that. I prefer to go by rapture. I like to go head first, dead feet first. You know what I mean? I want to go up. I want to be right in the middle of preaching or something. And y'all are praying, Lord, rescue us from this moment. And there's a trumpet. And we're all changed. And to go up. Isn't that awesome? That's a blessed hope. Because where are we going? To the fullness of His presence. We're not going to be leaving His presence. We're going to be going into His presence. And so we have this great conclusion by the Apostle Paul. To Him who is able to keep you from falling. And to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Now and forevermore. Amen. Would you just stand to your feet for a moment? Lift your hands towards heaven and say, God, I want to be a person of your presence. I want to be a person of your presence. I want my church to be a place of your presence. I want my home to be a place of your presence. I want my employment place to be a place of your presence. I want my life to convey your presence. I want my words to convey your presence. I want to be like Moses. Lord, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. If you won't mantle me and anoint me, I don't want to be there. I want to be someone who craves, desires, longs after your presence 
Holy Spirit, help us to be a people of the presence. The presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's here, folks. He's here, and He's here with you. Drink Him in. Allow Him in. Invite Him in. Draw Him closer. Receive Him. Don't let that tragedy of happen of he he was he was not accepted by his own his own he came to his own his own received him not but let the rest of that be true and whosoever be, received him to them he gave the power to become the sons of God hallelujah honey as you come and lead us in worship I believe these people are ready to worship as they're in the presence and why are we forsaking sometimes we think it's just about the forsaking what are we turning away from? All oh, the world, sin, despair, so on. What are we turning towards and entering into? The presence. The presence that He's entrusted upon us and that we can carry. Lord, I just pray over this people, your people, the one I get, I get to serve. I get to serve you right here. Lord, I just pray that there would just be a sense this week, just a holy sense that regardless of whether they're one of the offices of the church, the pastor or somebody who just was born again today, they're called into this prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, to carry your presence, to be in your presence, to plunge the depths of your presence, to explore your presence, to get to know you in your presence. And we get to come together and feel your presence and sense your presence we get to encourage each other and convey your presence through your word and through words of affirmation. Lord, thank you. It's worth leaving all that. We get to leave all that, turn our back on all that, and press towards that prize and go towards you into the presence forever. And we thank you, Lord. Impress that upon us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Burn that upon us. Make it indelible upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. May His grace and peace be upon us this week in His presence as we go, but not from His presence. Lord bless you as you go. And there is Bible study for the guys and girls at 4 o'clock this afternoon. We'll see you then.